Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. I want to talk just in light of what's going on in our country today. I feel like we have an op- opportunity right now as believers, as Christians, to be people of peace that hasn't been there before. We have an opportunity to be people who demonstrate what it is to carry the peace and the love of God in a way that maybe we haven't had a chance to in the past. Um, I just want to say to, our, to, to us as, as a family, there's people out there right now are really terrified. They really are. There's, there's people that are minorities, there's people of other religions, there's people, and, and listen, a lot of the stuff that they're afraid of is stuff that's not even real. It's stuff that's been propagated and put out there as true that's not true, but, but the truth of the matter is, is it's as true as we believe it is. And there's people out there right now that are, that are, that are afraid and that look at, at you and I, the majority of us in here, as those people. And they look at us as... And they identify us as the people, the worst that we've seen. Just, just like right now, a lot of people are, are putting people who are on the other end of the spectrum in the category of the people that they see on television right now that are showing the worst of, of, of what those people are doing. And the truth is, is that most of us are, are in the middle of that. Most of us aren't all the way over here on this end that are racist and, and, and hate anybody that's different than us and think that everybody that's not our skin color and our religion is the problem with our country. And most of us aren't the people out there that say that if they can't have what they want, they're going to destroy everything in the process. But a lot of people don't realize that. And so we have an opportunity right now to love people. To be people that actually just listen. Not people who are hearing people talk and waiting for them to pause so that we can respond with what we already want to say in our minds and, and that have a preconceived idea of what the answer should be and that that, that know everything, but actually people who just listen to people and say, listen, I, I don't understand where you're coming from because I'm not you, but I'll listen to you. And I'll hear what you have to say. And I only have one answer anyways. We have so many problems because we have so many answers. I have one answer. is a man named Jesus. Amen. And He gave His life for you and for me, because both of us were broken beyond repair. You were broken in your way, and I was broken in my way, but we were both broken beyond repair. We couldn't be fixed, so we had to die and be born again, new creations in Christ. And that's the only answer I have anyway, so I'll listen to you talk. And you know what? You may have experienced things that I haven't experienced. Listen, I grew up in a school where 92% of the people that went to my school were not the same color as me. I got to stay home the last week of school in middle school because of what they called Cracker Day, which was where if white kids were walking the hallway, they got beat up simply for being white. And so the school security officer sent letters home to our parents and told them to keep us home from school because it wasn't safe for us to be at school. 
And I could have let that change the way that I saw people. And I could have labeled every person that was doing that as the way people are. Or I could make a decision to say it, that, that, that because people did that doesn't, is not any reflection on me. It's reflection there's something wrong and broken with them. But the truth of the matter is, is though I didn't know it at that age, I know it now at this age, there's one answer for both of us, and it's Jesus. Amen. There's one answer. It's not to demonize people. It's not to make them the enemy. It's not to cheer and say, we're finally going to get what, what, what we want. They're finally going to lose. What... It's not about that. It's about the fact that right now, it doesn't matter who the president-elect is, nobody can stop you from loving people. Nobody can stop you from loving people. It doesn't matter whose name is on the, on, on the, uh, the plaque at 1600 Pennsylvania Ave. You can still love your neighbor. You can still be a person of peace. You can still actually believe that you have something that's greater than what's in the world. Because greater is He that's in you than he that is in the world. And you can look for chaos. And the Bible doesn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. That means you look for places where there's a lack of peace and you actually bring something that creates peace and makes peace. We do that by loving each other and by actually believing that all of us are created in the image and in the likeness of God. Every single one of us. And that all of us have different life experiences that have taught us different things, but the truth of the matter is there's one truth that's true for everybody. We all need Him. Jesus was talking to His disciples in John chapter 20. In verse 21, and He said, says, so then Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I also resend you. And when He said this, He breathed onto them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, listen, as the Father sent me into the world, so I'm also sending you. In other words, you are now commissioned to go and do what I came and was sent by the Father to do when I was here. And He said, my peace I give you. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. When he said, Peace be with you, it wasn't as if he was saying, From now on in this world, you're never going to encounter anything that's not peaceful. In fact, it can't mean that because just rest prior to telling them that he said, These things I've spoken to you so that in the world you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. He wasn't saying that there was going to be peace in a sense that there would never be anything that would come against Him. There would never be anything disruptive. He was saying that now you carry something that's greater than anything that you will ever encounter. Because the same peace that I came with, sent by the Father to bring, I now give to you. And as the Father sent me into the world, so I also send you. Now you carry something that's an answer to the lack of what is missing. And it's peace. You can actually be a person of peace. You can bring peace. Like think about when Jesus calmed the storm with the disciples. Remember the disciples are in the boat. They're freaking out. And they, they wake him up. Don't you care that we're going to die? What a dumb question. If they were going to die, he would have cared. So the obvious answer is they weren't going to die. Because he didn't say let's get in the boat and go to the middle and die. He said let's go to the boat and go to the other side. I mean just basic, right? That's a basic truth. If he didn't say, let's get in the boat, go to the middle, drown and die, then the truth of the matter was they weren't going to die and that's why he wasn't concerned. A lot of times we think that God's not concerned with our problem. The truth of the matter, he isn't because he doesn't see a problem where we do. Right. That's good. 
A lot of times we're trying to get him as, 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 as angry or as afraid or as stirred up as we are about something. And he's looking going, I don't even see the problem. And we're over there going, don't you care that we're dying? He's going, no, because you're not. But then he shows just how much he actually does care. Because rather than giving them a snarky answer and saying, I don't care because you're not going to die and going back to sleep, he actually wakes up. He comes out onto the bow of the boat with them. He looks at the storm. What does he say? Peace. Then be still. He could have just said, be still. And the waves would have obeyed. But he recognizes something. In the storm and in the chaos, there's a lack of something. So rather than just speaking to the symptom, he speaks to the problem. There's a lack of peace, so he releases peace and says, peace. And then be still. And I believe that God's calling us to be people that carry that same peace so that when we look into a situation, we don't just speak to the symptom, but we actually understand what's lacking and we speak the thing that's lacking rather than just talk to the symptom. You don't just tell people stop sinning. You tell them how they can. You don't just say act differently. You tell them why they're capable of. You don't just say be better. You tell them how they can become better. You don't just say act like a Christian. You tell them why they can be a Christian. Why they can actually be better than who they, be, who they were. You tell them the answer is Jesus. Always. The answer is Jesus. He came and He lived His life and He died the life that you were supposed to die. He died in your place so that you could live the life that He lived. And that's the answer to every single problem you will ever face. I promise you, every single problem. At the core of it, there's a lack of peace because there's a lack of Him because He's the Prince of Peace. If you face chaos in your life, it's not the chaos that's the problem. It's the lack of the one who brings peace to the chaos that's the problem. Find Him and you find the peace. See, if you're in the boat and He called you to go across on the other side of the boat, you don't have to wake Him up because you understand I'm doing what He called me to do and if I see a storm, then I can speak to the storm or I can just ignore the storm the same way that He is. The disciples could have done that. They could have laid down next to Him, had the same peace that He had, and went to sleep and would have ended up on the other side just like He told them because when He spoke something and called them to something, that meant that the way to do it was already created for them. See, sometimes we're facing storms and we're trying to tell them to be still and they're not being still because we're not headed in the direction that He's called us to go. He has no intentions of making it smooth sailing for us to go in the opposite direction of what He's called us to. None. You can yell peace to the storm until you're blue in the face. If it's a storm that He actually wants to keep you from going in a certain direction, He's not going to do a thing about it. I'm telling you, right now, when you see things on TV, listen, it's on both sides, right? You see people painting racial slurs on buildings and swastikas and stuff. What is that? You see people, I, listen, I, I, had, I was mistreated by people of another race for a, little, for a time in my life. I never thought about going and burning down a Walgreens. I understood there was something broken. And I can either become part of the chaos and make it worse by responding the way that they do, but always remember that when we respond in kind to the way that we're mistreated, we become the very thing that we despise. Or I could believe that there's a better way. And I could actually believe that there's something greater in me than the thing that's in the world. And I could release what I carry. But I have to carry it in order to release it. 
And the problem is a lot of people right now that are running around in chaos on both sides. Listen, even before the election, remember all the chaos when everybody thought it was going to go the other way? Remember all the anger and all the chaos and all the hatred that was being said? Listen, the only reason most of that stuff's not still being said is because the person they wanted to win won, and now the other side is starting with the other stuff. And you've got these fringes on either side that were going to be angry no matter who won. And now the people who were so angry before and calling it a rigged system and that it's broken and wanting to protest and all that are now saying, listen, guys, he was elected. Let's just accept him as our president, which is true. The problem is it's a whole lot easier to say that when the guy that you think should win won. Come on. It's the truth. And you have people that supported him for so many different reasons. Not everybody supported him because they're a racial hate monger. A racist hate monger. A lot of people supported him just because he actually said that he would appoint a Supreme Court justice who would overturn abortion and bring an end to the, lo- to the killing of so many babies. A lot of people supported him because the person he picked for a running mate stands on stage and proclaims to be a blood-bought Christian, born again, filled with the Spirit of God. And a lot of people supported him just because they couldn't stand the fact of the, who the alternative was. It doesn't matter. The truth of the matter is, is here we are as a nation. Here we are as a people. And we have who we have. Our question now is not, was he the right person, was he not? Our question is, what are we going to do? How are we going to respond? And what are we going to live like in the face of this? We have a unique opportunity that we've never had before that I can imagine, that I can remember in history to be people of peace who will actually love people who disagree with us and respond to them with truth and with love rather than with anger and hatred and vitriol. And nobody, no president-elect, no non-president-elect can keep you from doing that. Nobody. Jesus didn't say, love your neighbor as long as so-and-so doesn't get elected. I was thinking about what it is to actually live in peace. I was on a hunting trip last week. That's why I wasn't here. I missed being here with you guys. Um, had a blast on our hunting trip. The hunting was horrible, but, but the trip was fun. It was. It was too hot. The deer were hardly moving. And, uh, and one day, one day I went, and it, I don't know if you guys ever experienced anything like this, but you know how the grass is always greener on the other side? Things always look a, better a little bit farther away. And so I took this walk to go hunt this little ridge, right? It's, a little, it's actually a big ridge, and I'm going to hunt the bottom of it. And I, I got there, and I looked around, and I thought, well, this looks pretty good, but over there looks a little better. So I started walking. You know, you're carrying a 25-pound stand. You're carrying your bow. you got your pack around your waist or back, whatever have you. So I walked, and I walked, and I walked, and I went about a mile around the side of this ridge, and I got there, and I thought, this looks pretty good. But up there, it looks even better. So I walked, and I walked, and I walked, and I walked, and I walked. And I mean, now it's hot. I am sweating. I, I, I've got briar scrapes. They're still here on my hands. I, I, I look like something that, that if people saw me, they probably would have been terrified and ran. Never mind deer. A person would have been afraid of me at that point. I'm just covered in sweat and briars. i got blood trickling from my hands. And I finally find the spot that I think is perfect. I get in my tree, and I use a tree stand that you can climb a tree with, and I climb up, and I pull my bow up, and I set it up, and I hang it, and I sit down in my stand, and I look, and I just, across this little field I'm set on, I see this knob of oaks. And it's as if angels started singing. Ah, 
you know? And I thought, I should go over there. So I climbed down the tree, and now I'm serious. I have this superstitious thing I do. I'm like, I'll pull my phone out of my pocket. If the last number is odd, I'll climb down. If it's even, I'll stay. Pulled it out, odd. It's truth. So, phone back in my pocket, climb down, lower the bow down, climb down, pack everything back up, get it on my back, walk across this field that was not meant for human beings to walk across. I'm serious. At this point, God's laughing. And I get to the other side of the field, and I see these, these, this mythical knob of oak trees, and I think, oh, this, this is the promised land. This is where I shall kill my deer. And so I looked, and I saw there were some no trespassing signs because the state land we were hunting on borders a a private property. And I saw the signs, they went like this. And there was a sign here and a sign there. And right in between those two signs, but on this side of the line, was the tree. It was the tree. So I walked over to the tree. I looked, and there's deer rubs, there's scrapes, there's all kinds of sign. I thought, oh yeah. You know, it was, it was hard work. I walked probably three and a half, four miles, but wow, was it worth it. And wait till they see the deer I'm going to pull out of here. <laughs> in my mind, that's what I'm thinking. You've got to be optimistic, right? That's what keeps you getting up early in the morning and going. And so I climb the tree, I pull my bow up, I wind the hook into the tree. It's a process. Like, it's not easy. You know, you climb up 25 feet in the tree, you pull your bow, put your hook, hang your bow, get your arrow knocked, put your pack around the tree, get your, your tree stand strapped to the tree right, sit down, relax. There's a cool breeze blowing. It's perfect. Now look behind me just to see, you know, like if I hear something behind me, what I'm going to see. And I notice a posted sign. And it's a corner marker. And I realized that this sign and that sign make a triangle of the property and head off. And I'm in the middle of it. Instantly, I had no peace. It was as if the angels stopped singing, the breeze stopped blowing. And I sat there for a minute, and I'm just, this is the truth. I was torn. I thought, what are the chances? I know none of you would do that, but I did. I thought, what are the chances? It's 6,400 acres. I am on you can't get there from here, backside of the hill. If the guy comes, he deserves to catch me. But I had no peace. I sat there for a minute and I realized I didn't even check the magic phone this time. I knew what I had to do. So I climbed down the tree. I lowered my bow down. I packed everything up and I walked to the other side of the posted signs and I found a tree. It wasn't the tree. (laughs) I was slumming it. I climbed up, got all set up, sat there and thought, this is stupid for the lack of 20 feet. So I climbed down again and I wandered off way down the hill and set up somewhere else. I did. By this point, I probably had so much sweat on me that a deer would have to have a cold and wrapped in bubble wrap with its head, you know, covered for it to even come close to me. And, but the point was, 
I believe that the biggest reason we lack peace in our lives, if we ever lack it, is compromise. Because I could have compromised, right? I could have stayed up in that tree in the spot that I was in, and the whole time I was there in the back of my mind, I would have known what I'm doing isn't right. And I wouldn't have had a peace if I would have seen someone walking that I would have if I was just 20 feet back behind that sign. What a difference 20 feet makes. Why? Because I know in my heart that what I'm doing is right and that nobody can bring an accusation against me and that even if nobody ever finds out, I can't compromise my conscience. And suddenly when I climb down and I move over, I have a complete peace. I don't think I'm going to kill a deer anymore. But there's a piece that's a whole lot more important than killing a deer. Compromise is knowing the right thing. Knowing what God wants. Yet settling for something that somebody else or even myself wants at the expense of, his, of obedience to Him. And when we do that, it robs our peace. Because here's what happens. is Even if nobody else finds out, you know. And so when you're speaking to people, you don't have the same conviction because inside you know that you're a phony, you're a fraud because you don't actually live by what you say. And He doesn't condemn you for it because Jesus said to the woman at the well, remember? Woman, where are your accusers? I have none. Then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He said, I came into the world not that through me the world would be condemned, but that through me the world would be saved. He didn't come to condemn us. And He doesn't condemn us. You know the truth of the matter is? I could have stayed in that tree and God wouldn't have condemned me for it. I would have been wrong. He would have convicted me for it, but He wouldn't have condemned me for it because the price for that sin was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. But I would have known. And that compromise would have taken my peace and it would have taken the authority from my mouth. Because I can't speak with authority about things that I'm not willing to actually live and submit to. Guys, we're about to be talking to people. I promise you, you're going to run into them at work and at school and everywhere else. And when you identify yourself as a Christian or when they see that you're a Christian or they see what color your skin is or any other reason that they identify you as someone, they're going to think that you're, you know, they know who you voted for and they're going to assume that they know what you believe. You had better be ready to be a person who can stand on your convictions and be able to speak to them and release peace into the situation rather than adding to the chaos. What if we as a church, I mean that by the church universal across this country, said we're not going to open our mouths until we've been on our knees praying. That I'm not going to head out and, and open my mouth and start speaking into things until I've been on my knees praying and seeking His heart and seeking wisdom and asking Him, God, if You call me to engage in conversation with someone, first of all, let me be loving. He's the Prince of Peace and He is love. That means peace flows through love. You can't bring peace to a situation if you don't love the person. So God, let me love people more. Let me see them as someone that You created. Let me see them as someone who's created in Your image. And let me be a person of peace who through the way that I love them can bring peace to the situation rather than add to the chaos. That's the first thing I think that robs our peace. Don't compromise. Don't. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Let me tell you, the peace that I had sitting in that stand, even though I had no confidence in seeing a deer, was a far greater feeling than the lack of peace that I had when I knew that what I was doing was wrong. And nothing I could tell myself would make it okay because it wasn't okay. 
there was a peace that came from, from knowing that nobody could bring an accusation against me because I had done what is right. There's a peace that comes from knowing that even if nobody knows, nobody could bring an accusation, even if they saw your private life against you, because even in private you choose to do what's right, even in things that nobody will ever find out about. And there's a conviction that comes from that, and there's an authority when you speak because you actually are someone who lives what they say. I'm telling you. There is a conviction that will allow you to look people in the eyes and speak hard truth to them and they'll receive it as love when you're actually talking about something that you live and that you walk in that is completely lacking and absent from people that don't. You ever had someone tell you that? Man, you just have such a way of putting things. Maybe it's because you're actually living what you're speaking. Maybe it's because there's an anointing and an authority of heaven on when you speak because you're actually someone who's speaking out things that they believe and that they live even when no one's watching. It's quiet in here. The other thing that I think robs our peace, and I think this is something that we, we, can, we can talk to others about, but we get, it's got to start with us first, is not casting our cares upon Him and trusting Him. When we fail to do so, we're either not recognizing that He cares or not believing that He can change things. Psalm 55.22 says, Cast your burden upon the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Listen, here's a promise. Ready? You can put your name in here. Roy, cast your burden upon the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. If you're shaken, it's not because He's allowing it, it's because you've chosen it by not putting your burden and your cares and your anxieties upon Him. Listen, if your whole world was shaken this week, if your whole world is shaken by what you see, it's not because God's allowing it to be shaken, it's because you're choosing to have it shaken by carrying a burden and carrying anxiety and carrying worry that does not belong to you to carry and you're not casting it upon Him. And you're saying one of two things is true. Either I don't believe that you're capable or I don't trust that you will. I don't think you're trustworthy or I don't think you're powerful enough and so I'm going to carry this burden alone. Why would anyone do that? I think the answer is found in 1 Peter chapter... I'm sorry, I'm not... Yeah, we're just going to... I'll just tell you the verses. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says, You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him, for He cares for you. I believe any time that we don't cast our cares upon Him, it's a lack of humility in our lives. Because He says, clothe yourselves in humility and cast your cares upon Him. Why? Because if we are not casting our cares upon Him, it's because we pridefully believe that we have a better solution than putting our cares upon Him and trusting Him with the answer. If we would humble ourselves and realize that not only does He want us to, He asks us and tells us to give our cares to Him and humble ourselves and say, God, I don't know what the answer is, but I know that You do. So I'm not going to carry this burden of anxiety and worry around anymore and act like I'm better equipped to deal with it than You are. I'm going to actually put it upon You. And anytime it tries to come back upon me, I'm going to redirect it right back to You. Who here feels anxiety as they look towards the future right now? Be honest. Why? If you don't mind me asking. 
Just the unknown? What about you? The way that you wanted to? Yeah. So the unknown is causing a lot of anxiety? There's a promise in the Bible that He cares for you. And that even when you don't understand, you can have a peace that passes understanding. The unknown is what that promise speaks to. When you say, I'm afraid because I don't know what's out there, there's a, pro- there's a promise in the Bible that says, and the peace of God, which passes all understandings, will guard your heart and mind. Listen, that's exactly what that's speaking to. It's saying, not because I understand, not because I say, I know what's going to happen tomorrow, I have peace. It's actually a peace that passes understanding because I can't point to my own understanding, but I have a peace that I can't explain. And that promise is for you. I just want to encourage you and give you that promise today. That if you would trust Him, that it says that, that if you will submit yourself to Him and trust Him, that the peace of God which passes understanding will guard your mind. And so anytime a lack of understanding tries to bring anxiety to you, all you do is look at it and say, listen, I have a peace that's not based on me knowing what's going to happen next week. It's knowing that He will be there with me. That no matter what life brings, He's bigger and He's greater. What else? Who, who else has anxieties that look towards the future? Yeah, can I ask why? Just about your future? What makes you anxious? Having to, fa- having to make decisions? Did you know that, that there's a promise in the Bible that speaks directly to that? It says in James that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who li- gives liberally to all men. But when you ask, you must believe that you have what you ask for. Right? So, so there's a promise in the Bible. See, and this is what I love, is that the Bible is not some archaic document that's studied by old men and debated around tables. It's actually a living, breathing letter from the Father to you. And when he wrote that back then, he means it just as much today. And I promise you, listen to me, if you lack wisdom and you feel like you don't understand and you have to make decisions, there's a perfect place for you to go to in the Word that says, okay, God, I'm going to take you at your Word and I'm going to believe you. And I'm going to ask you for wisdom and I'm going to believe that you'll give me what I'm asking for because your word says so. And then you can trust that he actually will give you wisdom so that when you're making decisions, even if you aren't capable on your own, you have access to the mind of Christ. And you can have a wisdom that's not from this age, but actually from the age to come that will allow you to make decisions that you're not capable of making on your own. That's cast, see, that's casting your burdens upon Him isn't just simply wake up in the morning and saying, God, I cast my burdens upon You. It's saying, God, if I have a burden, I'm going to find in Your Word where Your Word speaks to it, and then I'm going to believe Your Word over what I feel. Yeah. Who else? Anybody else in here that feels anxiety as they look towards the future? No, yeah? What, what about? Yeah? Yeah. So consider Abraham, who against hope hoped and believed that in the promise that God gave him, even when his own body was incapable and the womb of his, of his wife Sarah was beyond the age of childbearing, believed and against hope hoped. That's faith. That's 40 years of Abraham waiting for something that was promised and God never gave him another word. God never once came. It would have been so easy if God would have reminded Abraham every week if an angel would have showed up and said, Abraham, just remember, you're going to have a baby. I promise that. He didn't. He spoke one time. 
And that was it. And 40 years later, Abraham still believed that word that was spoke. So don't you dare give up on that. And don't let that make you anxious. So here's what you do. You go to him and say, God, I believe that you spoke this. And because you spoke this, I believe that it will come to pass. And so I patiently wait upon you to do what you said that you will do. And even if nothing around me looks like it's going to happen, I know that what you spoke is greater than what I see. Now you're like Abraham and you're actually putting faith to what the word says. See, it's alive. This is how we are people of peace because we believe there's an answer for everything that lacks peace and every single answer is found in him and we can find something in his word that speaks to it. Anybody else? Anybody? Huh? Oh, over here, yeah. Yeah. So now you lack peace because you compromise? So here's what you do. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So what do you do? The fact that it bothers you that compromise means that your heart has changed. And so instead of beating yourself up and thinking your future is screwed up because of it, you thank Him, God, I thank You that You changed my heart. And that compromise that would have been so easy at one time now absolutely destroys me. God, I thank You that You've created me like You. And I thank You that You're no longer holding my sins against me, that through Christ You are reconciling me to You. And I choose You this day, God, and help me the next time I face the decision to go with You no matter what and never compromise again. See, now all of a sudden, faith is coming out of your mouth. And that he is, there's another promise. He is able to work all things for good for those that love him, which is you, and those who are called, which is you, according to his purpose. So even if you messed up, when you surrender and yield and submit to him, he's actually able to actually take that and work it for your good because you love him and are called according to his purpose. And though it wasn't his plan, it now becomes part of your story. And it's beautiful. And there's something coming from that. Anybody else? Because I want us to leave here today with no anxiety, with no worry, with no fear. Because if you carry anxiety, guess what you'll release? Jesus said, what I have, I give. Freely receive, now freely give. In other words, if I'm walking around anxious and uncertain, when I talk to people, anxiety and uncertainty is going to come out of my mouth. But if I actually am carrying peace, then peace will come out of my mouth. If I'm carrying love, love will come out of my mouth. Is there anybody else that's anxious before we leave here? Because then we're just going to pray over each other and we're going to go. Anybody? Awesome. (laughs) that's amazing you guys realize how rare this is that you have this many people in a room and we had what five people that were walking around with anxiety that means the rest of us are actually believing promises and now all of us can say the same thing that we're believing the promise of god over what we see what we've heard or what we've experienced that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world it's the truth and now you have something to give when you look at a hopeless situation it's no longer hopeless because you believe that you're the answer and if you see it it's because god put you there to bring the solution and bring peace to the chaos bring love to the hatred Come on. Yeah? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what you do. Do you believe that if you would train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So you believe that. You also believe that there's grace where you fall short. That you're put on this earth to parent them the best that you can, and that the grace of God covers anywhere that you miss, because he's more concerned with their well-being, with them looking like him, than even you are. 
So you take that pressure off yourself and you stop saying it's up to me to be perfect for my kid to be okay. And you say, God, this is actually your child and you've called me to foster this child and I'm doing the best that I can, God, but I trust you with anywhere that I've missed it and I know that you love them more than I do and that you're more concerned with them becoming like you than even I am. And now all of a sudden that weight's off of your shoulders and all you have to do is just follow him and believe that when you look like Jesus, someday your child's going to look at you and want what you have and then you'll be able to give what you actually have. See, and then there's no pressure. You're simply just following him, falling in love with Jesus more and more and following after him and trusting that what you do will mean more than even the mistakes you've made. And that he loves them more than you do. See, we gotta never, we've got to never forget that God cares more about people than we do. If we feel like we care more than they do, then we'll find ourselves stressed, pressured, and anxious because we'll see ourselves as the answer rather than looking to the one who is. Are we good? Is there anybody else? Got one more person? Yeah. I'm sorry, what's that? Feels out of control. So is there are there things that you know that you could do differently to bring it back under control, or do you feel like it's all external things that are making it out of control? Well, this is something that I know and, and, and I can't speak directly to because you're not sure even, so I can say this. You were created in the image of God. You were created for His purpose and for His glory. He created you in the image of Himself and He sent His Son to live and die on a cross for you to be able to live the life that you weren't capable of before He came. But now that He's come, you fully are. And that there's nothing that you face in this world that's greater than the power of God to keep you. Nothing. And I'd love to talk to you more after the service is over just because then maybe we can identify some things and we can speak to them. But I can say this, if you feel anxiety, if you feel fear about anything, it's because there's a lack of Him or a lack of understanding of Him or a lack of acknowledging Him in that situation. He's always there. I promise. Listen, He said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Hebrews tells us that the reason He said that is so that we will look to our God and say that He is our hope. That's why He promised that. You can take that promise. You can say, God, my life feels out of control right now and I thank You that, that Your Word is truer than my feelings. God, I thank You that even though right now there's things in my life that I, I, I can't see a situation that, that brings correction to it, I trust You. And I lean not unto my own understanding, but in all my ways, God, I'm going to acknowledge You and trust that You'll direct my paths. And you may be amazed at how fast things that seem out of control come back under control when they're submitted to the One who wants to be in control to begin with. Because my life was completely out of control for a while. Completely out of control. I put so much stuff into my body that I couldn't even tell what high I should be experiencing at the time. I put myself in situations that were just completely stupid because I really didn't care. And all it took was one truth to break a thousand lies. And I believe that if that's true for me, it's true for you too. And I don't even have to know exactly what it is, but I'd love to talk to you more afterwards. Is there anybody else? So why don't you just stand up right where you are. Let's put our hand on the person next to us. And let's just thank God right now that the God of all peace will guard our hearts. 
listen to this. Listen, listen. This is what I want to be our motto as we leave this place and as we look forward to the future. Be anxious for nothing. Nothing. That doesn't say except for the election. It doesn't say unless you're this or unless you're that. It says be anxious for nothing. What should we be anxious about? Nothing. Why? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. How do, why are we thanking Him as we're praying about things that we were anxious about? Because we believe that He is capable of being the answer to the problem before we even see the answer manifest. So it doesn't look like helplessly praying. It doesn't look like going, oh God, if there's anything that you can do, it's actually in faith saying, God, I thank you that you said that if I cast my cares upon you, that you would care for me. God, that you said that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That you said that I can be anxious over nothing. That you actually called me to be anxious over nothing. Which means, if there's anything that I'm anxious about, it's not your will for my life. And I thank you for that, Father. And I thank you before I even see the answer, I'm going to thank you. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Listen, you don't have to understand why you feel peaceful. When people ask you, why are you so sure? I don't know. You don't have to have an answer for everything. You just have to believe there's one who is and that he lives inside of you. Well, how can you be so optimistic as you look towards the future? Because I trust him. Because he's good. And because I'm called according to his purpose and because he loves me. And it will guard your hearts and your minds. Why does He want to guard your heart and your mind? He wants to guard your heart so that it doesn't become bitter and jaded so that you're capable of actually loving because peace flows through love. And why does He want to guard your mind? Because if your mind is clear, you can actually respond the way that He responds. You can speak like He would speak and you can act like He would act in every situation that you find yourself in. We are never, ever alone. We're never outmatched. We're never outgunned. Greater is He that's in us than He that's anywhere in the world. So God, I thank You for Your truth today. God, I just ask right now, just pray for the person next to You that the God of all peace would guard their hearts and their minds. That they would be so full of confidence and peace as they look towards the future. That they would be so full of love. God, make us a people who seek to listen and understand. Not people who simply seek to wait our turn to respond. God, let us be people that understand there's people who have experienced things that we never have and we can't see things the way that they do, but we can see the One who changes everything and that's You, God, in every situation. I pray that our answers would never, ever, ever become greater than You, God. I thank You that our concerns would never become greater than You in our minds. God, I pray that we would become a simplistic people with one answer. That we'd be okay to say, I don't know, but I trust Him. And I thank You for that, God. I ask that we would be a people of peace. God, if there's compromise in our lives, that it would end today. That today we would see truth, we would see that sign, and we would choose to move to the side of truth so that we're not living in the land of compromise. So that we, when we speak, there's a conviction, there's an authority on our words, and there's a peace in our hearts because what we have, we give. God, I thank You that we would be people that trust You above ourselves. That in all our ways we would acknowledge You and let You direct our paths. And I pray, God, that we would cast our cares upon You. That we would seek You out in Your Word and that we would find the truth that speaks to whatever it is that's bothering us, that's making us anxious. And that we would believe and take You at Your Word. 
And I thank you for that. God, I ask right now for the fires that rage on the mountain to be quenched by the rain that falls from heaven. For the fires that rage in our land, God, that are not from you to be quenched by the rain that falls from heaven. That the only fires that sweep across this country would be the fire of hearts burning for you, God. And I thank you for that. We agree with you and we say yes to everything you've called us to as a people. In Jesus' name, amen.